0: Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Iron and Soul Podcast. With me today is Lindsay Rillinger. I said it right <laughs> you again. Got it. Yep. Got it again. Two for two. Yes, two for two. Um, she is, I should have asked your pronouns. She? Yes. Okay. Yeah. She is a therapist in the same building that Jill and I are in. And I'm really excited about this. So one of the things, um, I'm really interested in is uh, like sports psychology, things like that. So Jill told me that you're, you do some of work with some athletes or in that realm. Right. And I heard a rumor once that you were a power lifter and then we (laughs) talked a little bit and you were into strongman stuff.
1: Correct. Yep.
0: So that's what makes me really excited is to have, um, athletes or ex athletes or, what I want sports people that are also therapists doing the mm-hmm. things we do because that's what excites me. So, yep. welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So,
0: tell me a little bit about your background. What's
1: <laughs> where you grew
0: up? What's up?
1: Gotcha. Okay. So, just from right over here in Topeka. So, grew up there, born, raised, uh, still live there as of right now. Okay. Just make the little commute to Lawrence every day okay. um, or every time I work and such. So, um, just have one younger brother. It's me and him. Uh, he's four years younger. Okay. He grew up pretty close. Um, co- had a big family. So, like, mom's one of eight siblings. Dad's one of 12 siblings. Um, so... Wow. Yeah.
0: Holy smokes. Yeah. All from Topeka area as well?
1: Uh. Yeah. So, mom's family, we were really close with because we all lived within, like, mm-hmm. five miles of each oh, other. wow. So, like, it was always... Big and just fun stuff and connecting with each other. Dad's family's from, like, Nebraska border, so okay. only, like, an hour and a half, almost two hours Oh, someday. right on. So nothing too big, but he's, like, grew up dairy farm. Your stereotypical Catholic family mm-hmm. is, like, his okay. jam. So, okay. Yep. Um, but, yeah, grew up... Topeka, um, gymnastics was like my sport of Ah, choice. Oh, okay. So did that, I became competitive in fourth grade and did that, um, until I was 16 and then coached and that was my first job and did that like all through high school, all through college, uh, even once I got my degree and everything, just love the sport so much. Nice. Yeah. Um,
0: so in high school you did gymnastics as well uh part of it yeah part of it okay my sophomore year okay what what stopped you at that point
1: uh i kind of just i would say i hit my peak um for where i was at at that time friends quit um as well so like i was the oldest and only one at my level at my gym part of it um and yeah i'd say Looking back, I'm like, I wish I had a sports psychologist mm. and someone to help me because I had such a poor mentality sometimes. Okay. Um, and so I think that was just a barrier for me as well.
0: When you say mentality, you mean you would get down on yourself pretty good, not good enough, yep, not good exactly. as this person or yep. person. So in in gymnastics, when I only know a little bit, but is there a point? There's a point where weight and height. And things like that can get in the way. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And so like lots of kids quit at a certain age because they, they get big. Right. Okay.
1: So yeah, it's definitely, I would say a barrier once you go through puberty, because you have to learn basically relearn how to do all the skills. um, And yeah, everything just becomes different because center of gravity changes and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I wouldn't say I had to do a ton with mine. I was always kind of tall and lanky. Um, I would say, but um, and never have been super flexible either. Like we always called me Gumby. Very ironically, was my name. <laughs> I, was the, I was a power gymnast, not a flexible okay. elegant gymnast. I was like vault and floor were my jam. Oh, nice. Like beam. Okay. I was, it was me and my coach, it was always like, just get through beam, just get <laughs> through it. So how yeah.
0: many, um, how many events does a gymnast have to do when they compete?
1: Yeah. So females, uh, do four,
0: do four. Okay. Yeah. So you get to choose your four.
1: Nope. So you do vault bars, beam floor, all four,
0: all four. Okay. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. One,
1: like if you're talking high, high level, sometimes you can kind of specialize Okay. you get onto like Olympic team and such. Okay that's way out there. Okay.
0: So what did you do after your sophomore year? Any sports after that?
1: Yeah. So after that I did track a little bit, um, and did hurdles and pole vault.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So
1: that was a lot of fun. Um, unfortunately we like didn't have a pole vault coach for all of the years that Mm. I was there. So, um, that was kind of a bummer some of the time. And honestly, I got into, uh, some trouble in high school. What kind of
0: trouble did you get into,
1: Lindsay? I um, I enjoyed drinking in high what? school. <laughs> okay. I did. Which high school did you go to? I went... Freshman year, I went to Hayden. Okay. So And then sophomore on, went to Seaman High School.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you liked you liked to party?
1: I, I enjoyed that, okay. those activities, yes. And so
0: that kept you from...
1: I wasn't very uh, good at getting away with it or okay. sneaky with it. Okay. So I uh, got caught a couple of times, which then kind of suspended me from some of track season. Oh, uh, so you got times. caught in
0: season? Yes. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, Lindsay.
1: I know. Maybe, no, it was even out of season, but it was just like the next sport you play. Yeah, okay. had to sit out and such. So, yeah.
0: So, what <laughs> hmm. What did your parents think of that? Like, how did that go over?
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, My parents are pretty... Really understanding, mm-hmm. I would say. So,
0: well, being one of twelve and one of eight,
1: <laughs> right? I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So I'd. There were two times that I got in trouble. So the first time they, obviously, were like upset, disappointed, but pretty understanding and like, okay, you mess up. And I was a. They always talk about too. Like I didn't hit my sassy teenage phase until I was like twenty-two. <laughs> um. So as a teenager, I was actually like really good relationship with them and mm-hmm. pretty respectful and everything. So. I <laughs> the first time, like, gosh, uh, I did uh, like end up in a cop car and such, and like mom had to come pick me up. I've been down that yeah. road before, few <laughs> so times. So <laughs> mom had to come pick me up, and she uh, was like really worried, obviously, and mm-hmm. she was yelling at them and like they better not be being mean to her back there. Oh my and god! Come- <laughs> yeah, but so Sorry. she came, she picked me up, and. I am just bawling. Mm. And I was so scared and sad the whole time. And I'm like, I'm a bad kid. I'm so sorry. Mm. I'm terrible. So she ended up feeling bad. And on the way home, she's like, do you want to stop and get Wendy's? Oh,
2: my God. That's hilarious. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. So first time, and I did, I felt awful. But they were really understanding. Mm. Second time, they were a little bit more like, you Mm. cannot go down this road. Like, Mm. we, yeah, don't want you to be doing this a little bit. Harder, shall we say, uh, but still overall. I
0: so then, after it the it. second time you got caught, did you get better at hiding it or did you like change your ways?
1: <laughs> um, I would say I definitely wasn't ta- doing as risky stuff with it, I mm-hmm. guess, um, and such. And so just chilled it out a little bit. And then, actually, whenever I got to college, um, I didn't drink. Too much. At really? All, I would say, yeah, chilled out on that um, quite a bit. What so, was, what did, um, thought process
0: in that? Usually it's the other way around.
1: Right, I know. I, yeah, mm-hmm. was very much so opposite, more partier in high school than I was in college. I think some of it was like just fear of getting caught again. I okay. didn't, knew that there would be bigger consequences for me. And also, I was like in a relationship where that person, um, Chose, like drank a lot and did some substances and so I think I kind of felt like I had to mm. counterbalance it and oh, okay. like be in control there so yeah
0: okay where'd you go to college uh Washburn nice yep yep okay and what was your undergraduate in
1: yep so under social work has been the jam always
0: social work the whole and so <laughs> at ugh, whole yes. entire way so I forget at at Washburn is it a social social welfare degree or a social work degree social work Okay, because I think at Ku it's social welfare. I
1: think you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. I went to Washburn too. I just can't remember (laughs) (laughs) for my the for my graduate degree. So yeah. Okay. So what made you? What influenced your life that you wanted to become a social worker? Yeah. Even bachelor's level.
1: Uh, I think I just your stereotypical answer of like I was always the friend that like listened and gave advice Mm -hmm. and all of that jazz, like. I'm such an odd kid but I remember like I had a group of three it was three of us really close and we're like 12 years old and we'd like get in an argument with each other or be annoyed with each other and we'd say okay let's have a therapy session is what we'd call it and we'd all sit down wow. and <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah so I it was just always kind of there and I think ma my mom always did lots of kind of like volunteering outreach mm-hmm. stuff so saw that I had an aunt that was a social worker so I like saw that as a route to be a therapist because mm-hmm. uh, obviously debated like psychology or how do I what counseling what road do I go so I think that kind of led me um, however I will say whenever I was really deciding in like senior year, I had lots of people got the whole, um, you're going to be poor forever if you're uh, social. right. Sure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So got that. And, um, my aunt actually was kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like she was a little burnt out, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I wasn't sure about it. So I started college at KU. I did a semester thinking I was going to do speech pathology. Oh, right was like, eh, not for me. And so then I tried to figure it out. And I was like, okay, let's do nursing. Because, again, I thought stable, decent money, whatever. Um, did Then I transferred to Washburn. And I did, like, two semesters of, like, biology, anatomy. And I just remember I was, like, in anatomy class. And we were, like, looking at the leg and stuff. And I was like... I don't give a shit Right about this. <laughs> I don't give a shit. And so I was like, we're just going back to social work. Back to social That's work. That's where it's what. Yep. And yeah. I've loved it ever since.
0: So did you do um, four years and then right into graduate yep. school? Okay. Yeah.
1: I just direct.
0: Direct in. So what year did, were you in the um, master's program, I ask?
1: So I graduated undergrad... 2014, so 14, okay. I would have started. Yeah, that fall of 2014.
0: 2014. Okay, so maybe know some of the professors still that were there, like Dr. Smith and. Oh yeah, he's yeah.
1: the one um, I did my clinical supervision with. Actually. Oh
0: really? He yeah. was your clinical supervisor.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I stay
0: in touch with him, so I have to. Yeah. Chat with him a little bit. That's oh, hilarious. Sure. Yes. That's awesome. Okay, so where was your first gig? First job as a ma- after you graduated.
1: After I graduated was at Florence Crittenton. Florence Crittenton It's in Topeka.
0: Oh yeah yeah it's a kid is it a kid thing? Yeah adolescence. Adolescence okay yeah.
1: So it's a PRTF. yep yeah and whenever I was there they had just started an emergency shelter as well for adolescent females in foster care. so they had those two programs going um, and they also offered just outpatient so little bit of all of it.
0: So what, what, what did you like and what did you hate? About? Uh, so
1: I actually did Florence Crittenton. I did my undergrad, mm-hmm. uh, internship there Okay, and I'd reached out to them when I was graduating. I was like, Hey, I really liked it. I loved it there. If you can make something happen. So they totally worked with me. Um, I liked that it was a smaller agency. And so I actually felt like heard and really connected to everybody there mm-hmm. for the most part so I liked that. I got a crap ton of experience with like the crisis management right? side of things. Um I definitely learned about the system and MCOs and da da da, mm-hmm. da all of that jazz uh prior authorization. So I feel like that has helped me since going into private practice just understand things mm-hmm. a bit. Um and at that time, like, I definitely liked working with um, the adolescents and then eventually was able to do the outpatient. I was like, ooh, okay, adults, I really enjoy this. I like this jam and such. So Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So how long were you there until – did you go to another job or you stayed there until you got nope, your – Nope,
1: I stayed there till I came into private practice. Oh,
0: interesting. Okay. <laughs> so you – Got your, how long did it take you to get your clinical license?
1: Uh, about three years. I three think years. I got it in like April 2018.
0: Yeah. I was just chatting with a um, Ben who's been on the podcast before his sister came up and visited today. And just wanting to know like should she do psychology? Should she do social uh, work? Yeah. We just had this long great conversation about that and we we're I was talking about the clinical license and I said it usually takes people two and a half to three years to yep. really to get it. They say you can get it in two, but it, right. by the time you the numbers well now now it's gonna be a lot easier. Yeah,
1: very but, true. But
0: back for us at two and, <laughs> and a half, three. I think it took me on just about three. Yep. Yeah. I was okay. like right.
1: From the time I like submitted the paperwork. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have to take the exam. Yeah. You got to turn that in.
0: So then was your goal always private practice?
1: It was. Yeah. Okay. So I always knew that was the goal.
0: So how did you, so if you think about it, right, you're pretty young.
1: Yeah, I agree. Like, and
0: yeah. most people that go into social work don't, Jill and I have this running, uh, discussion that cause she's teaching class at Washburn right now. Oh, Okay. And, um, a lot of them don't want to get their clinical license. right? So we have this running debate or discussion back and forth of why people don't get their clinical license. I always wanted to get mine. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to get hers. What? Where did that switch in your head and where did you find out and how did you decide that that was
1: mm-hmm. the
0: route that you wanted to go as opposed to a discharge planner or right. doing stuff like that?
1: Yeah, because uh, I think from a young age it was always like, therapy that I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. so when I was debating psychology, social work, counselor, it was always, what's the best route to get here? So Mm -hmm. I didn't choose social work and then decide to go this route. You know, it was, this is the best way for me to go there.
0: Okay. So once you decided that you wanted to behavioral health and private and therapy, it was like, okay, social work. And then the clinical license Mm -hmm. can get me there the quickest or whatever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it is really... If you want to do private practice or clinical work, it is really the quickest way to get there. Yep. And you still get great post dot or not post, uh, master's training. Like that's, oh yeah, we do a lot of hard work after that. It's not mm-hmm. easy two and a half, three, four years, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Definitely but not. it's, it is seems like a, you know, cause even if you get your master's in psychology, I was just explaining that to, um, to Mickey today, Ben's sister, that uh, I think it's, I think this is still the case. Don't quote me on this, anybody. But even once you get your master's in psychology, you still have to take this test, yes. right? And what you score on that test decides what direction you can go.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, but again, I'm right there. like Right, it, like, so if you get a
0: 60, let's just call it a 60, you can only... You will only ever be able to have your LMLP or whatever that Mm -hmm. one is. If you get a seventy, then you can then sit and get clinical hours for your L license clinical LCP. Yeah. And then if you get a eighty, you can sit and go in to get your PhD, Mm -hmm. something like that. It works, something like that. Um, We were talking about somebody that I um, had made. supervised at a job once that she took it three times and didn't pass it. So she'll net in the state of Kansas yeah. never be able to yeah. get her license.
1: I, I think that was part of it too. Like, cause when I was looking in the fields, yeah, it was so much more rigid and harsher. Like that was something I did like about mm-hmm. social work too, Is like our ethics and everything mm-hmm. is at least from my interpretation was, and is more client centered and more like, To help us succeed as well as the clients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I know looking to like as far as within states even like social work, um, any of the 50 states you can practice in private practice versus the like the LCP. I know there are some states that like won't let you practice, or at least that was the case when uh, I was looking interesting. Into it. Okay. So that was another thing because I didn't know exactly what was going to happen or where it was going to end up. So
0: right, and um, one of the things that I was explaining to her as well is um, what we can bill. Yes. That's an interesting one too, and I finally it took. I was two years in. To, my, to having a clinical license in the kind of the leadership roles that I found out why that is because it's the end of our licensure, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we can build Medicare and certain things. Whereas for master's level psychologists, it's not their end. right? So they have to get their PhD to build that thing. Yeah, Who wants to build Medicare anyways? <laughs> they don't Gosh. reimburse for shit. <sighs> so, um, okay. So you always want to do private practice. Did you have, <laughs> when you were at uh, Florence Crinton, Crinton,
2: Crinton, Cr- 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 Crittenton, Crittenton. Crittenton. yep. Little Crit, that's what we call it.
0: (laughs) Did you want to stay with like adolescent work? Was that kind of your like thought process when even when you wanted to go into private practice? Or
1: no, I'd say I wasn't totally sure what my niche was going to be. I tried to keep myself open minded. Um, Always kind of had that enjoyment with sports psych, and so uh, I did like a we called it a wellness. We called it like a wellness group um, there. So would teach them about nutrition and balance, some of the girls, and we would like cook our own meal a week and we'd do some yoga and such. So I was always into that um, and thought maybe I would go some of the sports psych route, Mm -hmm. which took a lot of research to figure out how the heck to go sports psych route. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And... I'd say I haven't even... So I'm getting certified mental performance um, coach, CMPC. I'm getting that like supervision right well, now. T-
0: please tell me more about that because that's <laughs> what I want to do. Yeah. Do. So... T- yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Sorry. Ah, there's so much stuff. Um, so you're doing... So we'll go back. Let's go yeah, back go and back, go down so, another other. So.
1: Okay. so, yeah, I thought I'd go that route. Um, also, I just... Because I got all the experience with trauma there. I was like, maybe... I'll do trauma. I, like, enjoyed it a wee bit. Um, you enjoy trauma? <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed some of the work, like, watching. I enjoyed the watching the process of mm-hmm. uh, people move past their trauma, right. I should say. Yes. And, however, like, during college, grad school, um, and a little bit after, like, I was dealing with, like, an eating disorder myself. Okay. And so worked through that. And then once I came into private practice, I was, like... I really enjoy that work, actually. Okay. So, those are my two specialties, and even I get like super n- nichey and eating disorders and sport. Like, that's my real jam okay. and what I like working with.
0: So, let's go back to the eating disorder. May I ask yes. what um, eating disorder you had troubles with?
1: Yeah. How so, you- I struggled uh, with bulimia. Bulimia. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, me, bulimia is, is that the binge...
1: Yep, so there's binge purge. Binge purge, okay. Activities.
0: Okay, and did that um, go back to sports stuff? Had you always struggled on some level with that due to gymnastics and things like that?
1: So, always the question that I get asked there, yeah. I'd say... I always had a poor relationship with my body. Okay. I didn't always have a poor relationship with food. That didn't start uh, to, that developed once I quit gymnastics. My relationship with food got really weird. Okay. Um, it didn't right away develop into uh, eating disorder. It was definitely disordered eating, in mm-hmm. um, a weird relationship. I I was lucky in gymnastics. Like my coaches were, they never focused on like. Your body size, you need to be smaller, any of it. Um, I remember we did have a girl on my team that was struggling with stuff, and like I remember them sitting all of us down and giving us education about you gotta eat, and we always got snack time, and like so there wasn't a lot of shame around that, which I'm really lucky um, about that. Uh, but probably prancing around in a leotard just didn't help the poor right. relationship with my body and such. But as far as the environment goes, that didn't necessarily influence it for me.
0: What's the what what this is just me my stupidity what's the difference between eating disorder and disordered eating yeah
1: it's just kind of on a spectrum okay and so disordered eating it just doesn't quite meet dsm okay yeah so
0: it doesn't meet the criteria for it exactly so i jill and i have this um so just so everybody gets an (laughs) understanding here my office faces a certain way in the building and Jill and Lindsay's offices are right next to each other. So that's how I met Lindsay is through (laughs) through Jill. So just bear with us here, my one listener. Um, So her and I have this discussion about what what we can consider even... How do we even decide that food is an issue? Mm -hmm. Because her and I are really into fitness and exercising. And we have interesting relationships with food, Mm -hmm. right? Because to perform a certain way to look a certain way mm-hmm. especially the older you get
2: mm-hmm. you
0: have to look at food differently
2: mm-hmm.
0: like i can't eat the same things that i could eat when i was 20 and expect the same results mm-hmm. right so at what point does it get start to fall into that spectrum of disordered eating
1: mm-hmm. and i'd say if the sole foo- focus of food is to look a certain way like to manipulate the way our body looks um that certainly is one category of it um if you start to really look at food as those good and bad categories and that just i mean we know the restrict binge cycle anytime we're saying i can't have any of that um it makes you want it more and that's the way our body works too and you know i'll the chemicals and neuropeptide y mm-hmm. like starts coming in that chemical and that's what causes um a, the restrict binge cycle to come into play
0: so if i say i can't have the kit kat yes then it makes me want to have the kit kat more yes really
1: yeah so it's restriction just based on even if i don't get enough energy like let's say my energy needs are Twenty five hundred. I don't know, okay. just throwing a number out. Mm-hmm. And if I'm only eating two thousand or fifteen hundred, that's going to create again this chemical neuropeptide Y to develop in our brain and our bodies. It's a survival mechanism, and mm-hmm. so it's going to come in and say, "Okay, we need and want more of this food." But same thing with we call it the mental restriction. So even if I'm eating twenty five hundred calories, and but I'm only eating veggies fruit protein and nothing else we're still going to be craving and it gets so much power over us Ah, yeah so that still comes in
0: I knew that there's all of that how that worked but didn't necessarily understand it so in sports
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that's that's what happens because you (laughs) have to have I mean there's some sports that have to have a certain amount of calories to perform right properly or Mm -hmm. effectively right and then in other sports, you have to have a certain level lower to be a certain weight to perform effectively. So, how does how does an athlete, um, either a professional or an, or amateur like myself, how do we manage those two things?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's it's a whole process and lots of steps, obviously, um, and it is looking at what you're body's needs are going to be because it's not that we disregard nutrition but it's looking like we don't need to demonize all of these foods so having a freaking cinnamon roll it still does stuff for our body it still provides our body with some nutrients with some carbs and such but it might not do as much as you know eating Some broccoli, so but it still does stuff rather than we look at it as like it's doing bad stuff, it's just it does a little bit of stuff versus broccoli and whatnot that's going to do a lot of stuff. And it's really giving again just the education around like when we need to eat the carbs in order to be able to perform properly. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you talk about like manipulating your weight for some of those, you know, whether it be UFC or jujitsu or yeah, these Mm -hmm. um, weightlifting, that's a really touchy subject I'd say in my world, um, eating disorders in sport as far as, we don't necessarily promote people cutting quote unquote unless you have a really solid foundation with food and that's looking at A person's well-being above their sport performance and i do get that and some people prioritize the sport performance above their well-being um and you gotta look at too because that's a lot of research that comes out with runners particularly right now how there's so much of this be lighter and you'll be faster faster but it's looking at if you cut a certain amount and you are constantly in that state of deprivation it actually negatively impacts you know, your performance. So you gotta understand your body, um, in order to figure out where is really your optimal range. And
0: so that's the thing that I've been, that I've been, um, messing around with is, which is an interesting thing that I I used to be more rigid. Mm -hmm. And so like I, I, I ballooned. I've always exercised. Okay. On someone always lifted weights since I was eighteen. Mm-hmm. Did lots of different things. Like I climb mountains, so I'd do different like working out for that. And then I didn't find like CrossFit slash powerlifting until my early thirties. Okay. But before that, I ballooned up to like two forty, mm-hmm. and then I started running. And I'd never been a runner. And and then gotcha. I and I came down. And I that was back in the. Mid 2000s, where it was that whole like fats bad. Yes. So I did carbohydrates, low fat, mm-hmm. high protein, and I ran a fuckload. Ended up running a marathon. Okay. So I got down to one, when I ran the marathon, I was like 165. Got it. Which is to me feels real tiny right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck? And so then found CrossFit. After that, hated running, of course, right? You like, <laughs> right. Look, oh. would I run again. <laughs> right. And, it, and then, um, Found CrossFit, powerlifting, and then I started to gain, gain as I gained muscle, right? Right. Obviously. Oh but, yeah. But then got heavy again, and then would mess with my food. You know, I'd mm-hmm. I do Paleo, and then I found <laughs> Keto, and right. then just all of those different things, and and I'd fluctuate. Um, then I did my first powerlifting meet, and I was able to, you know, calorie in versus calorie out. Mm-hmm. And then cut water and all that stuff. And then, so really learning to manipulate, trying to figure out how to manipulate my body. But I'm in my 40s. That was in my 40s. And now I'm in later 40s. And I'm I'm trying to get down to this 205 for jujitsu. Gotcha. And it's been an interesting Mm -hmm. few weeks, probably five, six weeks um, of, you know, caloric deficit. Yep. But trying to manage my carbs Mm -hmm. around my exercising. Mm -hmm. So making sure I have that fuel before and after that, Mm -hmm. but still trying to manage that fatigue. That's been a real interesting piece of it all. Because I don't know, because jujitsu is different than wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. So wrestling or even MMA, you can weigh in the day before Mm -hmm. and then rehydrate, refeed the next day. Jiu-jitsu is weigh in roll. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to figure out how to, and same with powerlifting. Mm -hmm. You could could weigh in the night before or the morning of, depending on which, but then you could still feed and rehydrate before you get on the platform. So I'm really trying to figure out like, where do I need to be for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and then where do I caloric deficit again to get to to be at two oh? Really have to be at two oh six, and that's been the strangest piece because with the powerlifting, I knew because um, that was the last time I cut, I knew that I could get okay, I could get to two thirty, mm-hmm. and I knew I could do ten pounds of water and restriction three Mm -hmm. or four days before and and make weight. No problem. This one's a little different because I don't know. Right. Because I have to, because I have to roll that. That day. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: don't. Yeah. Because if you cut that extreme, they're not going to be rolling well. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm trying to
0: figure out like what, and I've noticed that I'm a little more fatigued.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm sure.
0: um, But I don't want to, I don't want to go up anymore. Mm-hmm. Wait, so I'm trying to figure out how to manipulate and what carbs and all that stuff. That's been the, it's been fun and terrible at the
1: same time. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And I mean, my therapist mode would go. I think your body. It took you a long time to get where you're at now mm-hmm. from that two six or one sixty five. You said you mm-hmm. were at and such. I think. It takes a while for your body to actually want to go down, if it even wants to go down, because that's something to like set point weight. Are you familiar with that <laughs> at What's all? That? Okay, so every body has a set point weight, and it's just where it likes to hang out. Mm-hmm. I know people don't necessarily like, um, or in the sport world sometimes like, like ge- the argument of genetics have something to do with it, and you can't overcome genetics. But there's truth there. Just every body has a set point that it likes to chill and hang out at. And so, um, And whatever that's going to be there. And so your body's going to do whatever it can to keep itself there. And whether you're in a deficit or you're um, eating in a caloric surplus, it's going to try to hang out there as long as it possibly can and do whatever it can. So your body may be chilling at its set point right now, and then this deficit, rather than necessarily immediately taking away from your body fat or body composition, Mm -hmm. is going to say like, hey, let's stop sending energy to that frontal lobe of his so okay. that he can't manage emotions quite as much or it'll slow down digestion um, in order to conserve energy, slow down your heart rate and such. Because that's another big thing oh. with athletes we see is um, their heart rate will be really low and they okay. think, hey, I'm in really good shape. But actually, it's your body saying like, dude, we don't got enough energy oh. and we're slow." Interesting, okay. Yeah, let's same thing with females. Um, Obviously, you haven't had to deal with it, but females losing their period like mm-hmm. is so normalized in sport. However, again, that's a sign that our body's saying, "Dude, we are not, we don't have enough energy." Because, um, like your metabolism, what is going to send energy to first? It's going to send energy for you to do whatever your like physical tasks are, whatever your sport is, and then that. Whatever you're um, lacking in energy, it's just gonna stop sending it to just your basic functions like oh, menstruating, yeah. like your heart rate, like digestion. Okay. We see sleep disturbances, all of that jazz.
0: So how do you how do you how do you know what your set point is?
1: It just like there's no test or any of that right. jazz. Um, but it's whenever you are not trying to manipulate food, whenever you are not you're eating paying attention to nutrients. I'm not saying okay. we just say, fuck it to nutrition and don't care. Right. But whenever you're like eating, whenever you're hungry, e- eating until you're full and satisfied and calling it good there and moving your body in a way that's enjoyable and feels good and giving okay. yourself rest kind of wherever. So a set it happens point to take for out.
0: somebody that has, that does power lifting, right. And builds a lot of muscle maybe. At this, but then if you change sports and it goes down, it may reset itself to a different set point. Correct. Yes. Yes. But
1: the thing is, again, that happens over time, like quite a ways. And so, yeah, we see people that sometimes have different sports or again, are trying to cut within like two months even, or something like it takes a while for your body's set point to change. That's fucking
0: cool. (laughs) <laughs> and really interesting because I was, because th- I was just thinking as you were explaining that to me, that my, my, I would guess that my set point mm-hmm. while just picking up heavy things was about 228 to 235. Gotcha. Yep. Didn't, didn't fluctuate much over that or much under that yeah. and still continuing to get strong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's interesting. Yep. So I wonder what, because I want, I don't want to be that big anymore.
2: Like okay, that's
0: sure. for somebody that's five, eight. hmm. That's it, there's a point where I'm just like, I don't like it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I really like I've gotten into Jitsu and, and leaning down. Yeah. but man, I wonder what it will be.
1: Right. And that's the thing. Eventually, like the patients. And I think yeah. that's where, you know, the getting fatigued and such, trying to rush the process, possibly a bit.
0: As a as a as a clinical therapist mm-hmm. and dealing with stuff like, is it OK? Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about these type of sports and manipulating weight and things like that, is that, is that an okay thing to, to be doing like for sports and stuff like manipulating mm-hmm. that stuff?
1: I, so personally and yeah, professionally, I don't think it's in our best interest. Most okay. of the time I really don't. Um, I think again, it's more about finding our, figuring out what your set point is when you're doing that. And how do I fuel myself to be as efficient as I can at this weight class, you know? Um, and like I said, you want these people to have a really solid foundation in what true nutrition is, what true balance is, um, and what fueling yourself really is. And, that's part of it. Is again, all of these fad diets come in with paleo, keto, like da 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 da. And if you look at actual like long term health, there's always these implications because it's it's not balanced. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you find yourself following a, spe- a kind of a a specific diet? Not diet, like not in the sense of like a fad diet, but mm-hmm. like what you put in your body. Do you find yourself working through that?
1: uh i mean at this point i'd say i've got we call it intuitive eating um and so i'd say i have a pretty intuitive relationship with food so i do enjoy being active as we talked about so i'll pay attention to, okay, I know that I need some carbs before this, and I'm going to need some protein afterwards to uh, help those muscles synthesize and all of that jazz, Um, but again, I pay attention to when I'm hungry, and I know that's my body saying, hey, you need food, and whenever I'm full and satisfied, I stop eating. I make sure to get some veggies, get some protein in, but you know, Did I have Reese's last night? Yes. Will I have Reese's tonight? Probably. Like, it's just, you know, and it, again, that balance. Because if you look at kids, too, kids are perfect intuitive eaters. And I don't know if you've ever been around kids whose, like, parents maybe have disordered eating or they're like... (laughs) <laughs> and they're like okay you have to eat this food before you eat the cookie or earn dessert mm-hmm. those kids want the dessert so so much um, but because we talk about this with raising intuitive eaters like put the cookie on the plate with everything else and kids are going to eat half the cookie sometimes they'll eat all the cookies sometimes they won't touch the cookie like just letting the cookie be food because your body knows what it wants it's going to want veggies Because think of if you've ever been on vacation and Mm. it's like, I'm eating all the funnel cakes, all the burgers, all the fries. And you get done and you're like, I want a damn salad. Right. That's your body saying like, hey, we need this stuff. So intuitive eating is all about paying attention to what your body wants and it's going to tell you that it wants veggies it's going to say we want protein but it's going to say it wants a cinnamon roll or a cookie sometimes too god i
0: fucking love cinnamon rolls <laughs> I, so good you keep talking about cinnamon rolls <laughs> <laughs> cinnamon roll. do you um what do you think of like paleo and keto and carnivore i mean do you mm-hmm. stay attuned to like What's going on in those worlds of, oh, like yeah. all of that stuff? Yeah,
1: definitely uh, familiar with them and such. Uh, and like I said, I think a lot of them uh, are people used to manipulate their weight. And I'm not going to say, like, they're not going to be effective at manipulating your weight or your body composition. But the question is, like, is that actually health and is that actually taking care of your body? Because... I'll say like when I was in the thick of my eating disorder, I was probably quote unquote the fittest and people would have thought, damn, look how quote unquote healthy she is. Um, so, was right. so was not, so was not. So I do believe our body needs carbs, needs um, veggies, needs all carbs are our bodies and our minds preferred source of energy. So I do believe it absolutely needs that.
0: But in a, in a, but in a smart and effective way, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, just paying attention to what your body's okay. telling you. Because so, it'll tell you. It, you just got to listen. You got to learn to speak the language. And it takes time to, like, filter out all the diet culture crap. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll say, hey, one cookie's enough or five cookies is mm-hmm. enough sometimes. You know, it, it differs. There's not always... a rule of thumb
0: so then how do you do you work with um obese or overweight overweight people
1: uh i do have people that are in larger bodies yeah
0: okay so if we're trying to move for them to to because really there's two things when we work with people that are how did you phrase it in health in heavier a larger body larger body (laughs) that's such a such a therapist way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> such a good, you're such a good clinician. <laughs> um, because there is, I mean, there's the mind piece, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy mind. But there is the the physical health that yes. that needs to be
1: yeah. looked not at, denying not denied, oh, Yeah. Not denied that. Not right? Yeah, absolutely. So
0: how do you find your balance with that and working with them? Because they do need to not be so heavy.
1: And again, like set point, there are genetics, like some people Mm -hmm. are in a larger body. So it's looking at, are there actually health implications, first of all, because sometimes people are in like slightly larger bodies or different and their health is actually fine and they can move their body like, okay. Okay. And they can move it in ways that are enjoyable to them. And so we got to let that be. Um, I really do believe that, but if they are having health implications, again, addressing that, and I'm not saying we ignore nutrition, um, but it's looking at, okay, let's start moving your body. Cause I do believe movement. We need it. Mm -hmm. Exercise is a type of movement. And that's something I work with so many people on and especially athletes or retired athletes. Mm -hmm. I see this a lot, um, is, We get conditioned to like only exercise. That's our only way of movement. Like thinking of little kids, they're jumping around, twirling, like flailing all over the place Mm -hmm. for no reason, just because their body feels like doing it. Then you get into kindergarten. Okay. You can do it during recess and PE. Otherwise you got to sit still. So it's conditioning you not to listen to what your body needs to move. And then you get into middle school, high school. And it's like, Hey, you move if you do sport, otherwise You just need to sit and there's no quote-unquote productive way to move. Right. And you're not supposed to be flailing or standing and in class. So the way it's established is like conditioned us to stop listening to our body's intuitive movement as well. Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece that I encourage people to play around with is playful movement where, like, again, I'll just be doing, like, handstands in the living room or, like, do a roll or jump, spin, like weird movements for no quote-unquote reason and so it's getting in touch with that too with people that are in um if and this goes with people that are in small bodies too like they can have same health implications as those in larger bodies like it's not the body size we got to look at what is their actual health and so if they have knee pain again no matter what size they are Mm -hmm. okay let's work on some ways to find some joyful movement to get your body to get your joints moving to get those endorphins and all that jazz okay so um
2: when
0: you when you first start working with a client do you have them go to their doctor and get blood work and all of that stuff so you can have some understanding of what what that is like oh they are a a large person in a healthy body or or however you phrase that right
1: mm -hmm. uh yeah a lot of the times I will um yeah and like I said it's the body doesn't define health because I see it all the time. Like people are stigmatized. They're in a larger body and they people say like, Oh, you need to lose weight or Oh, you're in an unhealthy body, but their labs are freaking fine. Like right. they actually feel really good. And again, lots of people that have these health implications are in a quote unquote smaller socially acceptable body and they get looked past because Their body size is fine, so we gotta look past the body size because that does not determine health.
0: When when you work with men and women, um, ex athletes or athletes, do you look at hormone levels as well? Like what at the older they get, what what their testosterone is versus what is their estrogen and all of that stuff when you're when you're working with them and
1: yeah, so that does definitely play a key role, and so big part of like working with, um, eating disorders and disordered eating is like having that team. So, uh, obviously like their medical professional is going to handle a lot of that. And we work with, they work with, uh, dietitians a lot mm-hmm. of the time. And again, it's important to have dietitians that specialize in eating disorders. Cause there are right. a lot of dietitians out there that are gonna do more harm than they do good. Um, Yeah.
0: You, you may know this. What's the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist?
1: So nutritionists, like you can, there's not necessarily a college degree for it. You can go like just get certified online or through these training courses. Whereas a dietitian has to have a master's degree, do their clinical work. Um, I'd say it's kind of like the difference between us and a life coach. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I do find it, I have to, I have to see what your thoughts and process yeah. on this is. I find it very, a friend of mine and I discussed this, but I find it very strange that a woman can go to their primary care physician mm-hmm. and say, Hey, my, I'm in my late forties, early fifties. I'm feeling out of whack. Another, oh, you must, you know, you're starting to, your hormones are starting to change. Let's prescribe you some different hormones. hmm Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. A
0: guy goes to their doctor, same age or even a little younger. I'm having these issues. Do they run? I'm not comfortable prescribing you testosterone.
1: hmm
2: What the fuck?
1: Testosterone has a bad rep.
0: It I totally mean, does.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: And we know, um, with the chemicals and stuff that people put in foods and put in different things now mm-hmm. that's causing guys testosterone yeah. to go down at an earlier and earlier age. But these doctors that treat us mm-hmm. aren't willing to look at that research. It's really frustrating.
1: Yeah. Oh I'm I'm sure it is. And I, I the whole like medical approach and such, I think, like I keep saying, like you gotta look at what really is going on in mm-hmm. health. As a whole person, like what is their movement? What is their exercise? What are their levels? Right. What does their diet include? What does it not include? Like everything. Because I think we are likely to throw pills at people because there are probably times when those women don't necessarily need a pill. There could be some other, you know, thing to that could cause it or that could help fix it. Um, but yeah, it's women get the pill, you guys. Sorry. Sorry. Bummer. Bummer. <laughs> Deal Looks with Looks like you're going to have to be depressed and yeah. all of these things. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. I've been recently um, having any of my clients that are about 35 and older mm-hmm. come in, male clients go get their gotcha. blood levels. Yeah. Just because when they come in depressed, I'm like, are you exercising? Are you doing this, this, and this? No. Okay. So this is what I want you to do first. I want you to get. Your, I want you to know what your testosterone levels are, mm-hmm. just because that can, energy wise, yeah. and depression. Yeah, they're 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 really making correlations between that and depression and younger and younger. So that's
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right. So, what is this certification that you're working on?
1: Yeah. So two certifications actually, right. but there's certified eating disorder Specialist, So that's right. one, but I think the one you're interested in CMPC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So certified mental, mental performance coach. And so that, like I said, like did a ton of research on mm-hmm. how do you, you step into sports psych world without getting, or is there a way other than getting a PhD in sports psych? Right. And yeah, so this certification is really the, main jam and what um people are looking for and like to if you wanted to work like ncaa with a school like they hire cmpcs um sometimes i will say some of the schools prefer a phd mm-hmm. still but like this yeah just is the certification and so i'm working under uh, a woman in kansas city she her name's linda sterling sterling sport mindset is her um uh firm or whatever and so yeah, it just is all about the mental performance. So not clinical side of things, um, as much, it's way more, how do we use imagery? How do we use that self-talk? Like all nice. of that jam. Yeah. Do you cool.
0: do is within that, is there mindfulness?
1: We actually had that conversation probably a month ago, I'd say with her. Um, and just where is the spot for mindfulness in sport, you know? Um, cause there's a lot of debate in the world, like, okay, do you want to be mindful and aware of everything, all your reactions, you know, or do you want to be able to control that more so or just be focused, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do use mindfulness, and we use it a lot, like, in pregame r- okay. rituals and such, um, and especially afterwards, too, um, a lot of that mindfulness. Um, but more so it's about uh, creating like that routine or that habit for you to just go into with your mindset whenever you're in the sport. Cause you obviously just want to be able to boom, be reactive and such.
0: Okay. So then a lot of, um, visual imagery of the thing that you're doing, the specific thing that you're doing, do you, you spend a lot of time with them in, um, uh not is it imagining (laughs) yeah imagining I suppose it
1: would be yeah yeah so there's like I said a lot of that imagery and we'll figure out like what and you want to just imagine yourself obviously being successful Mm -hmm. um at it but there's a lot of breaking down like what are and I guess so this is where mindfulness comes in a lot of like okay so you I don't know if it's baseball you step up uh to the plate you hit the bat down and then you pull it to your shoulder and noticing okay at what point like if that's where their block is or their issue is at what point do you get these anxious thoughts or at what point does your body tense up or go haywire on you and so you got to dig 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 and figure out uh at what point do things flip for you and are they causing the issue for you and so then we look at okay what's a different thing to think what's a different or imagining that and how do I make my body feel different in that moment so a lot of practicing that routine
0: so the routine may be the same but it may be they they tense their shoulder they realize they tense their shoulders or something right like right so the same routine but loosen your shoulder, like having that self-talk where you
2: mm-hmm. tell
0: your shoulders to loosen up or yeah. whatever the thing, would that be mm-hmm. an example? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So what about, um, working with an athlete that has lost something? So like, let's say they're a wrestler, or a jujitsu, and they've lost a match and they, they, they feel like their confidence is down. What is, I mean, that's, That's a mental thing, but it's also this other thing that you're working on as well, right?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Like, What are are some of the things that you would work on with somebody that's struggling with loss?
1: So a way that I have kind of phrased it is it is a skill to be developed and it's kind of developing resiliency, I guess, just that ability to come back from it. But Mm -hmm. basically it's helping them develop. A really rapid grief process okay like for their loss so being able like that night to feel the feels like be able to recognize that okay I didn't do that great um, feeling bummed about it like step into all of that but then you got to be able to okay come out of it come out that other side and that's what they struggle with a lot I assume the ones that you're talking about mm. and so A lot of times, too, if they get stuck in that process, it means they've got that kind of fixed mindset. And so we want to try to have, okay, what's an adaptable mindset? And so introducing being able to actually like critically look at what they did and saying, okay, what was in my control? What can I do different? How do I improve versus just this overgeneralized? Dude, I suck. I'm I failed. I'm never going to do good again or whatever the mindset is. Yeah. Where does
0: acceptance come in and all that?
1: Uh, so whenever you're looking critically at it, I would say it's, you can do the little circles like we do what's in your control and what's out of your control. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there is truth, truth, like refs were just shit, you know, mm-hmm. or the team was just better or one other person on your team lets you do, I don't know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And I think, you just got to practice that, okay, sometimes it's not in your control, but what was in my control and what can I do to overcome those things, make myself better to be able to like compensate for these things that are out of my control in the future, you know? Um, but yeah, it is just recognizing too, like I said, feeling the feels and dude, I lost and that sucks. Like, I'm not trying to make you feel good about the loss. You know, I'm not saying don't be bummed about it or don't be a little pissed off about it. Um,
0: I really like how you phrased, like, a rapid, um, you called it the rapid grief?
1: mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Grief loss. Grief
1: process. Grief process,
0: yeah. I really like that. I think that's an interesting and cool way of phrasing it because that would make sense. Like, and you would have to even, like, I think about my middle son who's a wrestler, right? Yeah. And when you go, I don't know if you know much about wrestling, but a little bit you don't, if you lose, you're not necessarily done, right? So, you may have to go into a loser's bracket, or it may, depending on how, or it may be a round robin, mm-hmm. things like that's where you're gonna wrestle again, and it may be in five matches, yeah. Yep. So, being able to, and he struggles, Otto. I'm sorry, I know you're gonna edit this, <laughs> but at sometimes he really is hard on himself when he. Loses, yeah. But what I've noticed, I mean, he's really hard. Gotcha. But then he can. It's like the loss is his motivator too. Sometimes, yeah. right? Like then there he goes go. back to the next match and works harder. What I, what I wonder is how do we work on getting like people like that that have to do it real quick? Even in there, they have to get quicker than than the next day or a right. week. Right. Right. They have to be like, oh That fucking sucked. I fucked that up. All right, <laughs> mm-hmm. now I got to go and clear it. Right, like
1: right. And I think those the way I've kind of approached it is like compartmentalizing, mm-hmm. and you you don't look at it necessary. It's this dichotomy, both and like yes, each matches its own own thing, but you don't process the losses until the end of the whole tournament Ah. so it's that little bit of compartmentalizing um where okay yes i'm upset for a second but then you just focus on okay what is this match that's coming up next what do i have to do Mm -hmm. to prepare for it um and then afterwards i'd say moving through it whenever like you say it's tournaments that's uh, that's a
0: great that's a cool way of doing it okay so With Oh god What do you got CM CMPC CMPC How many clinical hours Do you have to have to Get one Yeah
1: so Gosh Um, Roughly Yeah I think It's Damn Like one I want to say It's around like Five Hundred If I'm Remembering right Yeah and um, I think you need like forty hours of supervision. Okay. Um, and then yeah, so many of those are like face to face, and versus them like watching you too. Um, you have to do a little bit of that. So yeah. You can,
0: can you videotape it? Yeah. And do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Videotape.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whatever, I am you know, Yep. Sold. <laughs> <I'm> so <laughs> um, and then what's the other
1: one you're getting? Uh, certified eating disorder specialist.
0: So. Tell me, so, <laughs> so here's the thing. Yes. I've been in recovery for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I work in a minuscule amount with people that have some substance use issues within the rest of the thing. And we talk about what that does, but I don't want to touch gotcha. at all yeah. that world. Okay. Um, I thought I did when I first got sober, but for the most part, no, what is it? There is something about substance use to people that have it and then want to go work in it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Eating disorder. I Mm -hmm. know a few people that have had a struggle with eating and then are help people with eating disorders and then trauma as well. I know Mm -hmm. that there's some people that struggle with trauma issues and then got so. What made you, after dealing with your own struggles, want to go down this?
1: Mm-hmm. I think part of it was like the relatableness for me to the mm-hmm. clients. Because, uh, like I said, I was working with trauma a lot and I don't necessarily have any like big T traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, once I realize like I could have this real relatableness and really be able to truly understand these clients and just remembering too in my own therapy like my therapist she was recovered uh, from eating disorder as well and so like that just wipes out so much shame when you know that they get it because eating disorders if you don't have it if you haven't had one you just don't quite get it like get what it's like and there Mm. can be a lot of shame around there's some weird behaviors that those of us that have eating disorders have and so yeah it's just it helps take away that shame so I was like okay I can be able to relate and get what they're saying and really help these people I feel like
0: um what are so let's let's not you're in safe place here and let's not stigmatize like I'm not saying you are but like Mm -hmm. for the for the listeners out there what, what is a weird behavior for a, somebody with an eating disorder?
1: Um, I mean, it's just, like we say, weird because it's so different than what those with a mm-hmm. healthy relationship have. And so... Um, like I mean, hiding even, food? Yeah. So, yeah, there's hiding food. There's even... I mean, just the fact of binging. Like, mm-hmm. that's a really... If you experience a true binge, like, that's a pretty shameful um, experience. Mm-hmm. And purging, too, like... There's a lot of, well, just don't, just don't do it, you know, kind of things that people say. Um, so those are some of the big main ones. Uh, but there's, you know, all, gosh, people will with bagels, like you can scoop out the middle of it or there's all these just weird little manipulative. Uh, Okay. I can only eat food that I have made. Um, or I won't, won't go to restaurants, you know, Lying a lot about what we do, um,
0: okay.
1: yeah, lots of
0: so so really similar spectrum behaviors like a, as a substance use, yeah, sort of, really yeah, secretive. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody one time, and we were talking about I think it was binge eating, and I, we we're just talking about like like for somebody. Um, who's in the substance Mm -hmm. area we don't believe in will like there's this idea of like you need to have willpower right Right. and we don't want to put ourselves in situations where we're gonna drink Mm -hmm. or use drugs right Mm -hmm. food is everywhere
1: right exactly
0: so if you're somewhere and you're having if you're somebody that's a that binge eats Mm -hmm. right and there's 10 cupcakes on the table. Yeah. You have to have a conversation with yourself not to have a cupcake, right?
1: Mm, I wouldn't say not to have a cup, but I mean, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you've got, you can't be abstinent from food. Right. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to, yeah, be able, and that's what we talk about though. It's not willpower. Right. Yeah, it's, that's not what it is um, because, yeah, that too is so shaming. Like, just have enough willpower, and that's what my clients tell to, to themselves so much: is Why don't I have enough willpower? What's wrong with me? I'm weak. Da, 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 da. Um, But yeah, you do have to have, like, if that urge to binge is there. It's looking at okay, what emotion am I trying to cope with? Because that's what the eating disorders, no matter which one it is, um, the eating disorder comes down to it is a way to cope. So it's asking and replacing that binge behavior with another behavior that helps regulate yourself.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. So I, I had it kind of right, but I was kind of wrong at the same time. Yeah. In there in that discussion, so because mm-hmm. I was like, just don't have the cupcake. <laughs> like, just choose not to, right? Right. In that moment, because. At some point, you have to choose not to have it and do something else.
1: Yes. Yeah. But
0: we just didn't get to that something else. I was like, choose not to have that.
1: Yeah. And that's where, again, the like intuitive eating comes in because you learn to differentiate. Like, okay, what is me just trying to cope with an emotion Mm -hmm. and so I'm drawn to the cupcake or whatnot? Mm -hmm. Or what is it that I just want a cupcake actually and my body wants that versus, yeah, trying to cope with something and so learning what those signals are so that's a lot of work is figuring out what the hell are hunger cues and then what are these emotional cues and being able to differentiate those do you
0: think we've been duped with sugar
1: what do you mean duped so when you
0: say your body says it's okay to have a cupcake Mm -hmm. before a certain time as human beings we didn't have processed sugar we didn't have things like that to put in our body to then change the way our brains think about
2: mm-hmm.
0: sugar so mm-hmm. do you think so when you say our body once again it's okay it's okay to have that cupcake mm-hmm. right but before 1950 or 1900 we didn't have cupcakes
1: right yes
0: so do you feel that on some level we've been duped by like industry and sugar and, and hostess because that shit is not good for us. Like in, I mean, in reality, all of those chemicals, right. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Are not good for us. I mean, I understand in small doses, (laughs) it's just fine. Like I, I get it. I know where you're going to (laughs) go.
1: I know you can see it. Yeah. But
0: I want to get like
1: there, there again, there is truth. Yes. In that, all the hormones, all the processing, it messes with our hunger and our fullness hormones. Mm-hmm. So they are produced in a way that suppresses our fullness hormone. And they intentionally do that so that you do supersize it and you do mm-hmm. ignore that. So again, the in if that's what your diet is completely made up of, you've lost all the ability to be intuitive. Yeah. So... I think having that information and again being able to notice what are our actual hunger and fullness cues um and that's going to let us if we're just having it here and there we're going to still be in touch with those hunger fullness mm-hmm. hormones because they're there most of the time versus yeah if that's all that we're eating then we're not going to be as in touch with
0: okay that. i like how you said that that's very well educated What about soda?
1: Uh, What do you think about soda? (laughs) Soda, again, I think if you pay attention to how it actually makes your body react, because that's a big thing too. Like we don't pay attention to how our body Mm -hmm. like responds to certain foods or drinks and so paying attention to what your body does with it and like I don't think sugar is bad I definitely get what you're saying like we didn't have it so I know all the arguments of like our ancestors didn't have it our bodies aren't necessarily made to process it our body can process it though um
0: yes mm -hmm. sort
1: of right in it still gets used as energy. Is it super quick and then there's that, you know, insulin drop afterwards and such? Yes. But your body can, I do believe it can figure out what to do with sugar.
0: With with one can <laughs> every now and again. Mm-hmm. But if we're drinking, if we're using soda like we use water, yeah, which is what our country does.
1: Lots of people do. Lots yeah. of
0: people do. Mm-hmm. How do we? What's? How do we? How do we have real conversations with our clients about choices?
1: Mm-hmm. So for me, I always say like, let's just get curious. Like, let's figure out what your body actually feels like with this. And so, you know, I'll have people introduce veggies or introduce cookies you know depending on where they're at um, or if they are drinking yeah four sodas a day okay let's decrease a little bit let's notice what your body feels like and if there are any differences and if there are benefits to it if there aren't you know and we have to give this a long term because okay. we know that any type of behavior when we first change it, um, even outside of food, you know, we're gonna be super awkward and feel weird, um, and anxious about it. So give it a little bit of time, get curious, figure out how does my body respond to this? Like, is it, does it really actually feel better with and feel okay this with four, uh, cans of soda a day, or does it feel better without, or do I not notice a difference in You get to make that decision based on your body because it has to do with, again, there is some genetics to it. There is some what the rest of your diet looks like, you know, um, and everything. But just getting curious what your body is telling you.
0: You are such a great clinical (laughs) social worker telling me what exactly what (laughs) you would want to tell somebody. But how do you feel Yourself about this idea of somebody—not your client, just anybody—that you see drinking ten sodas a day.
1: Mm-hmm. I can't. I I'm not gonna make that judgment. I don't know because I don't know if they're drinking ten sodas every day. If that's a one-time thing, I don't know how their body feels. I know how my body feels when I drink ten sodas. I don't how know does how your,
0: your body... body feel? After a quarter pounder with cheese, supersized fries, and a supersized Coca-Cola classic.
1: You're going to hate my answer. I think it differs. Okay. Like I really do because sometimes if I'm super hungry and if that's what my – like I haven't been eating very – I haven't had many potatoes for the fries or I haven't had as much protein – That honestly is probably going to feel really good and be really satisfying. But other times, I'm sure my body would not, that would not feel good in my body. Absolutely. So that's part of it too. Again, the getting curious and figuring out what your body wants and what feels good in your body is, there's not just a rule of thumb. It's not saying that, you know, a burger is always going to make me feel like shit or a burger is always going to make me feel good. Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. It just depends and what else i've had
0: um are you a proponent of more like like when you make your choices mm-hmm. are you more likely to go with um if you had your choice like a healthier like restaurant burger versus a mcdonald's burger Like, are you, when you think of your choices, right? Mm -hmm. Are you making like, I'm going to make the healthier of the choices or do you really go, I don't really care. Either one.
1: Uh, It really Mm -hmm. just depends. Like I'm being honest. No, I believe, Uh, I believe you. I'm
0: I'm testing your, your constitution. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah.
1: No, there are totally sometimes when I'm like, let's go to I mean, we're in Topeka, so we don't have as many fun options for restaurants, but let's go to McAllister's for a wrap versus, which also I will say, I just genuinely don't like burgers. So that was a bad thing oh, for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what did, What do
0: you like that's your guilty thing?
1: Right. Um, so yeah, I'm, guess, gosh, I don't know. I've definitely enjoyed my sweets and such but all i don't know olive garden let's say chicken alfredo like something like that like yeah there are times that i want that like it it really does just depend so i don't i wouldn't say that i'm always like this or this is always what i want or this is always what i want some yeah just depends
0: um do you like taco via (laughs)
1: Ha <laughs> Yeah. So, oh, yeah. My brother, he worked there from the time he was 16 until like 22 or 23. Yeah. Oh, You're, yeah.
0: You are Jill and ours new best friend. Yes. <laughs> yes. She grew up going there. Yeah. Um, is she, she from went, Topeka? Yeah. She okay. went to West. Okay. Right? Yes. Which is right by there, right? Uh-huh. And so she grew up going there. No, actually... I, I'll fuck up the story. She didn't like it for the longest time oh, goodness. or for a while. And she would, Oh, when she was a young kid and she'd get Wendy's and they, the family yeah. would get there. But in high school, she fell in love with it. Uh-huh. So when I first met Jill, they took me there and I was, I was such a snob, right? Like I can't even believe Like I was, I just th- thought of like Taco Bell. I was like, I'm not eating. Like I was just such, now it's like,
1: yes I can love that place oh my gosh I yeah I love that's my family's like place like when we get together we will go there um the own my uncle he used to work there in high school and like they my mom and all of her siblings went to school with the owner now so oh yeah nice. we've got our connection to Taco Villa nice Jill's yeah. brother
0: used to work there too okay, I think cool. years ago yeah we're old so I'm probably like your parents age <laughs>
1: <laughs> no nah, I think they're a bit older yeah, yeah. um <laughs> Kick ass. Okay. Oh, yes. Let me yeah, taco over you.
0: Yeah, I fucking love. And I, that's the one place. Like, I'm a pretty decent, as I've gotten older, not to hurt myself when I eat. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. just eat until I'm, I can let it go, and I don't have to eat the whole burger. Right? I get you. I can let it be. But when I go there, I'm <laughs> fucking eating it all. Uh-huh. I have my taco burger, yep. my enchiladas. Yep. I get meat nachos with double meat. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: So, oh, so when you don't like when you say your burger's not your go-to, are you more plant-based or are you just no, don't know. Okay.
1: Um the, like I'm the, uh, I'm a huge meat eater, okay. huge. Uh dad's a big hunter like grew nice. up on yeah, all making our own meat and everything and so um i just i'm not like it's the bun i don't like like i won't eat my hot dogs with buns either i'm not anti-bread because like some breadsticks and stuff it's just the texture of that it's just not my jam for whatever reason and not a huge burger person but like give me some chicken strips or sausage or like and yeah i'm definitely okay steak Things oh, like that, yes. Venison. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. All of that. Okay. Had deer sausage this morning. Yes. <sighs> so fucking good, man. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I did not. My mom was anti-gun. Uh huh. But my dad grew up hunting birds, not deer. I all. So I wish I would have had that influence of mm-hmm. like, hunting and, but I just. And I'm like, I'm too old to like pick up <laughs> one more thing to learn, right? right. God.
1: Uh, yeah, so. no, dad's, I mean, way into it. Like last year during season, you know, he shot a deer from our front porch or my parents' front porch, you know, like, yeah, just all about it.
0: Awesome. So, okay. Um, let's talk about strength sports. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you transitioned from gymnastics to. <laughs> To track and field. Yep. And then...
1: And then did... And during that time, never touched a barbell. Okay. Um, and then I started going to just your good old Genesis um, in college and, like, did cardio stuff, ran on the treadmill, did machines, didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. Um, but just did some stuff. And then... I found CrossFit and totally drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid and was all about it and loved it. And I think just totally like my gymnastic side of things, like uh, so much right, fun. Of yeah. Course. So fell in love with that. There was only one CrossFit gym in Topeka and then they closed. That's right. They did. CrossFit close. Topeka. Yeah. yeah. So they closed. So the owners, I was really close with them, but they moved back to Texas. They were from Texas and so moved back there. So it closed. So then I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do? I didn't want to just go back to the Globo gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. So found this gym. It's called strength guild. And, It is in an old abandoned warehouse where they used to make, like, airplane parts. Like, I swear walking up to it, it was, like, the beginning of a bad horror movie where Mm -hmm. it's, like, why the fuck would this girl go into this building? Right? (laughs) Awful. Um, Like, half of it, they had to tear part of it down from, like, asbestos and, like, mold and, like, all this crap a while ago. Anyway, so total garage gym, like, yeah, um and fell in love with that. And so I remember I went in there and the owner, his name's Phil, and he was like, so do you want to compete? Like, what are your goals? And I'd never done CrossFit competition or anything. And I was like, no, no, I just want to do it for fun. No, no. And then of course he got me, like, I did two Olympic lifting competitions. I did one power lifting and then strongman competitions. I think I've done three and love strongman. That's were I liked the most I would say.
0: Okay. So what was it about? What is it about? Cuz there's, you know, there's this there's this um it's I think it's getting less and less, but this idea about if women have muscles, they <laughs> look like men or whatever the right. oh, whatever yeah. the meme is or whatever. Oh, yeah. that, what was it about picking up and lifting things that and and building muscle that I mean, I guess you would understand that by gymnastics because you're going to you're gonna have all kinds of huge muscles from <laughs> gymnastics, for the most part, like big sh- strong shoulders, yeah. Oh, yeah. strong quads, things like that, abs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but there's a difference once you start throwing weight over your head. Oh, or yeah. Picking...
1: Oh, yeah. So... I don't know where I was going with that. But... <laughs> uh, but yeah, whenever I started, I do remember the comments like, don't get too big. Definitely mm-hmm. got those and such, but... I don't know. It's just like to push your body in that way for me feels good. Like I said, just always been active and liked to do stuff. So it felt like I actually had a goal versus again, when I was like doing machines or this or that, like could see progress, could measure progress as far as the weight goes. Um, and uses all like groups of muscles too. And I don't know. I just, yeah. Love it.
0: And I caught you a couple of weeks back and you said you weren't training at that gym anymore. What's up?
1: Right. So I'm not saying I'll never go back, but it's just, it's a little ways away from our home. And like I said, we do the 30 minute commute here. So it was getting to be just a lot of driving for me and I'm not going to do any competitions right now. And so, and I'm like doing a lot of work stuff with like the courage counseling. Um, so I was like, right now it's, not a priority. And also saving money was another thing. Uh, cause we're looking for land to f- buy here and such. So yeah. So that's exciting. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Okay. So excited.
0: So, whew, okay. <laughs> did you re? Did I, did, were you always called courage counseling or did you rebrand?
1: I was just practicing like under my name, Okay. you know, always. So I, yeah, courage counseling just kind of manifested within the last like Few months, really. Um, nice. I think, yeah, like last two months, it's really become a thing. So, okay. still new. I
0: love the name.
1: Thank you, thank you. It took me forever. I think that's part of what took me so long was figuring out what my damn name was gonna be. It's
0: hard, right? Yes. So hard. I remember. So we practice under what was Reese Counseling yeah. and now Magnolian. So that's all Jill stuff. I'm just riding that <laughs> But I remember when I was just debating on this my consulting business which is the same name as the podcast like that was that was a day and a half of like just like and i luckily i had this really this really great friend named drew who was second or third guest that i was talking about like did the we did the skype one and it just was Uh, hard to do yeah he threw out iron and soul i was like oh that means exactly what i am right yes so it's once you find the thing uh-huh. you connect with, it's like, yes, I love okay. that name. So that, yep. I really like your name of your. Thank you. you know, thank like you. Counseling. That's good. So, yeah. what's your. So, then what's your philosophy then behind your practice and courage counseling?
1: Uh, the philosophy, I would say, is like what courage truly is, you know, is it's being scared doing it anyways, like being able to accept that we're going to feel we're going to feel like this is too much, we're going to feel certain ways, but you can do it anyways and so doing the hard thing and being able to push yourself cuz I do also think that we as humans are meant to evolve are meant to grow and that takes courage to evolve that takes courage to grow and because it's going to be hard it's going to be scary it's going to be terrifying but it's also going to be really awesome and fun and fulfilling so
2: do you
0: think um there's a wave of really soft people right now <laughs> that are afraid to do the hard things that how, how about i say yeah. it yeah like that, like more scared to do the hard things than in, would you say in the past?
1: I i am trying to think how to answer that. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, not as much willingness to do hard things. Yeah. I think, um, and I do think there's, I don't know what to blame it on. I think social media part of it, I sound like a stereotypical old person with that, but, um, this idea sometimes that things are going to be easier if it's right, it's gonna be easy, and I don't necessarily believe that that's true, um, so, yeah, I think we're just, don't have experience with hard things, some, yeah, some people, um, or are taught how to manage hard things. I think that's a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. I know that was part of my, own again, process was not knowing how to even manage hard things and do hard things. So I think that comes down to a lot of it is we don't know how to manage hard things or how to support ourselves during hard things.
0: Do you think because life has for humans has gotten easier.
1: Mm-hmm. Like just yeah. oh, it has. easier. Yeah.
0: Like we can, Hell yeah. I mean, think of, like as much as the pandemic has sucked, right? People work from home and businesses are saying, well, it's much easier now for you to work much easier for me to work from home. Da, mm-hmm. da, da, da. This idea of easier, 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 yeah. right? We don't move as much. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I agree we don't
0: work work as hard like uh physically <laughs> in our yeah. jobs anymore it's not right. as many physical labor jobs. do you think that it's hard... how do I phrase this <laughs> um that doing mental work is harder than doing physical work
1: ooh. I just think they're different, like two different, two different hearts. I do. I think. Oof. I don't know. I think mental work sometimes can be hard, harder. Um, I guess if we're talking about like therapy, mental work, like insightful mental right. work, I think that's really freaking hard. But if you're talking like accounting, mental work, you know, or something. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I should, I should uh, rephrase Mental health, okay, work.
1: Yeah, I do think mental health work is harder than physical.
0: Yeah, I I agree yeah, with you. Absolutely. I think it's because we can get in a in a in a loop. Oh yeah. In our brain, mm-hmm. talking. Especially the smarter you are, you can <laughs> talk yourself in and out of oh, things and gosh, rationalize things yes. all day long. Yes. Right. Yes, As yes. opposed to just doing the thing. Right. Yep, Which is what I talk to my my <laughs> clients about. Like sometimes all you do is rationalize in and out of doing the thing that you're supposed to do,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just do the thing. Yep. What? <laughs> just do it.
1: Just do it. Yep. That's it. Yep.
0: You may feel good. You may not, but just do the thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas when it comes to physical stuff, you can build, like there's this, you can do this building and you feel, and you can feel the yourself getting stronger. Right. Right or better or whatever physically at the thing sometimes when you're going through hell right or the darkness or whatever Mm -hmm. we want to do you don't know you're doing better until you're on the other side
1: exactly yeah like the progress with physical work like you say i feel like it's measurable Mm -hmm. and yeah there's a lot of that evidence to support it but yeah the mental health side of things There's not, how do I notice when I rationalized only 200 times versus 250 times in a day or whatever, Mm -hmm. you're not going to measure that necessarily till there's a drastic difference.
0: As, as we wrap this up, what is your favorite? I'm going to go a few favorites here. Um, What's your favorite guilty food pleasure? <laughs> okay.
1: So I have to say I don't believe guilt belongs with food. Oh, of course you're <laughs> gonna say that. Son I know. of a bitch.
0: Okay, what is... <laughs> oh, Dang it. Okay.
1: I will say probably my favorite food like group or category I love breakfast food. Okay. I love it.
0: So like any so. type. So it could be eggs and hash browns or it could be waffles and
1: More so like the egg because most of the time I have like my deer sausage, my eggs. I'll have like half a bagel with it with some cream cheese. But yeah, I like that like hearty breakfast or some chicken fried steak sometimes with it. Chicken fried steak breakfast is
0: so good. Yeah.
1: So definitely that like hearty breakfast is probably one of my favorite foods or ones that I don't get sick of. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. I cannot... um, Okay, very rarely mm-hmm. can I eat eggs for breakfast anymore. Really? Yep.
1: Why is that?
0: Because I've eaten eggs for breakfast or egg whites <laughs> uh-huh. or this or that egg thing yeah. for over 30 years. I And gotcha. that idea of like being healthy uh, and yeah. healthy or whatever, air quotes. Yep. Um, you need to have this many egg weights or you have this many, I just... One, I was doing an RP, you know, RP uh, Renaissance Periodization. Yes, I know exactly that group of you're folks. I was doing their meal plan thing a few years back, and it was like egg whites, egg whites. And one day, I was just like, just like how I stopped running, yeah, just stopped eating Don't egg want whites. It. Nope, Heck yeah, I can eat eggs after ten a.m.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep, but
0: not before. Yeah, because then it's not breakfast. There's something in my brain that just went, just clicked off.
1: Yep. No more. No No more. more. Can't do it. Yep, I get you. Your body didn't want the egg whites for a while.
0: Sometimes on vacation, Mm -hmm. I can like have an omelet or something like that, but I have to have it like with a waffle, yeah, or like something (laughs) like completely. And this is my language, not Lindsay's. Unhealthy. (laughs) That my body is Uh telling me not to have, but I have it anyways. (laughs) Yep. So, um, okay, Uh, are you a pizza fan?
1: Uh, I like pizza. I'm not like, hell yeah, all about okay. it. But yeah, okay. I'll eat me some. But you're
0: pizza. hell yeah about breakfast food.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yep. Okay. Are you a who, home fries, hash browns, or what other way is there? Home fries, hash browns.
1: Um, I mean sometimes they just do like the half a potato like the little potato petite like potato yeah, yeah okay. i guess i call, diced. Di- yeah, call yeah.
0: them diced for for lack of a better right word.
1: probably the like house fries like yeah okay because the hash browns like the little skinny hash browns mm-hmm. i just i don't like them when they're all soggy so i'll eat that top layer that's all uh, crispy you know yeah right but then um it's so it's not enough for me so yeah the okay. house
0: okay and are you a mixer so like if oh, you have eggs in there and, and breakfast. So like will you do that all like salsa on it or or do you have to keep it separate? On
1: um, your... um, I think it, it depends. Sometimes I do like to just mix it all up, but other, but I'll usually like have a fried egg and like dip my sausage and the yolk and that jazz.
0: Once again, fried egg, right? You uh-huh. still love them. <laughs> and then at some point I couldn't eat them anymore.
1: Gosh. You're, I feel bad for you because like I love them. Like I can't them.
0: do the like runny uh-huh. thing. My oldest will, I'll make him fried eggs and he'll eat all of the um outside of the fried eggs. Yes. Egg, yeah. Right? And then he'll stick the whole thing without it broken his mouth and eat it. And like, all <laughs> I, it makes me gag. Oh,
2: goodness. And there's not, is there uh-huh. something
0: about the yolk now <laughs> that I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is your favorite sport to watch on TV?
1: Gymnastics.
0: Gymnastics. Okay. Yes. Um. Favorite event.
1: Ooh. Favorite event to watch of gymnastics. Yeah. Right. Would probably meh, probably be floor beams a close second floor especially um if it's like college gymnastics so there's a different vibe that happens um in college gymnastics versus if you're like watching the olympics so college gymnastics like the teammates will get into it they'll be like singing, like way higher energy and just more fun i guess um so but floor i like just because it's long and the things they do and then yeah beams a close second
0: did you, I can't remember. Did you do the beam? Yes, okay. that was
1: the one where I was like, "Just get it over with." Oh, just get it over with. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, on the floor, what was your favorite? Would it be move? What do you <laughs> call it? Favorite skill. Favorite skill on yep. the floor.
1: Oh, um, I liked twisting. So I liked back tumbling and twisting. Okay. So that okay. was. Those were probably my favorite. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, squat, bench, or deadlift.
1: Oh goodness. <laughs> so probably deadlift. Okay. Yeah. Squat. I like could, I can't do a squat with my heels on the ground. I can't. Okay. Um, unless Even there's a bunch Ollie of shoes? weight. if they're, yeah, I still use all shoes and it's not enough for okay. me. Like my anatomy is just effed up. Like I've done like the ready state if you know. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Done all his stuff. Like looked, had professionals, had chiropractors. So many people look, and they're like, "Your anatomy's just Is it not necessarily built." I do have tight hips. Yes. Okay. Same and-
0: with Jill. Her Ollie shoes. She has a narrower squat yeah. um, to be able to break, break parallel, mm-hmm. but her heels still come up on yep. her left side. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. It's her one hip. She has a leg that's shorter than the
1: other. I do too. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, but yeah so squat just has never never been my favorite that's for sure okay. i'll do it but it's it's low i when i did my powerlifting meet i liked bench because i i have a lot of upper body strength like yeah. um Makes when i sense. when i did ollie lifting like my normally you're clean you can just plain clean a lot more than you can clean and jerk mm-hmm. i can jerk more than i can clean because my leg yeah my upper body, like, is way stronger than what I'm able to squat with. The anatomy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So you could throw, let's just say, 185 over your head, but only squat, only clean 30, 135. Yes. I'm just using that. Yep. How did you figure that out?
1: <laughs> because we would have me do, because we realized that... First of all, with the cleans, anytime I was able to stand up with the clean, it was always the joke, like, if Lindsay can stand up, she's fine. She's going to jerk it. Mm-hmm. And so we would do jerks just out of the rack sometimes uh, okay. to see what the hell I could do. Wow, and it was okay. more than I could clean.
0: Okay. Okay. So <laughs> um, how were you in the snatch?
1: Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Not too shabby. Um, okay. Again, just I'm not great at ollie lifting because my squad is funky okay Okay. so
0: and then favorite strongman (sighs) lift or apparatus or whatever you call
1: it yeah i mean that's hard because every strongman competition makes up kind of their own right thing you know so but
0: there's like some common some
1: like the log the
0: log and the what boulders or whatever right yeah the stones, stones yeah uh
1: so i would say i do like the log um and I like the yoke. Um, oh yeah. Yeah.
0: I wish I had a yoke.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love the yoke because okay. I don't know. I I can always go really heavy on the yoke and yeah. always did really well in those events. So. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, when you and your partner. Find your place, your land. Yes. Will you build your own gym?
1: Yes. So, nice. uh, yeah, my, my dad, that's what he does for a living is build houses. Mm. So, like, he built my parents' home that they live in, and so he'll build our house, and they have a, like, Morton building with living quarters, mm-hmm. and so that's what we want. And so that outside uh, the garage part will, like, he wants wrestling mats to do jujitsu, and, like, we want, yeah, to have room for all of our, like all of our equipment and everything. What's so your exciting. partner's name? Yeah, Trevor. Trevor. Okay. Yep.
0: We need Trevor to come to Rivers Jiu-Jitsu. Uh when he comes- as
1: I've learned more about you and when I saw the podcast was all Jiu-Jitsu, I was like I really want to set you up on a mandate with this yes. guy. I've told him about you. Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep.
0: <laughs> um and shout out, he just started the academy. Yes, in September. In September. Yep. And he'll is he does he already have his like, paramedic and all of that stuff, or how does that...
1: Yeah, he has his um, EMT okay. and will get his paramedic once he's uh, done with Academy December 4th, I believe it is. Okay. So, yep. And his he transitioned to firefighting, like, just within the last year and a half. He okay. was an accountant when we met. No. Yes. What? <laughs> and he's... Not your stereotypical accountant. Um, like,
0: probably because he has muscles and. Like...
1: He's got a similar build to you, okay. I would say. Yeah. Um, except with a baby face. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. But um, yeah, so he's an accountant and, or was an accountant when we met and just realized, dude, I hate this. And so went through this whole few, like three months of what am I going to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And was like all right i'm going to i'm going to be a firefighter this is what i want and yeah. so he's been so so happy since he's made the transition
0: interesting i um i got my emt once in my life oh
1: really back
0: in the 90s oh, okay yeah i wanted to go the whole um wilderness emt yeah. mountain climber save gotcha. the climbers guy and then life changed but Happens. Yep, yep i had an emt and i was going to do a firefighter thing too Something. but gotcha. yeah i gotcha. Okay, how long cool. you guys been together?
1: Um, d- d- like two and a half okay, years. So, yeah, cool. Okay, cool.
0: Um, trying to think, is there any last thing? Um, so settle, gonna settle in Lawrence.
1: Yes, correct. With
0: Courage Counseling. Yep. Okay. And you're going to eventually do a group with Jill or join the group with Jill.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> after you get some of this other after you, your schedule frees up a little bit or something like that, right? right.
1: right. Correct. All yep.
0: Because right. she's really looking forward to that. <laughs> I just want yes. Just to know that. So,
1: yes. I Like I told her, I just made Tuesday nights my long night, so working on maybe changing that and the RODBT, which the group is, um, I wanted to get a little further in that level two training before I started leading the group. So I've started it and we're working on it, working Good through deal. it. Yes. Good deal. That's
0: we're ex- <laughs> we're excited because I mean, to join forces would be pretty yes. cool. And uh, I know. I'm. So want to learn from you too. on the, um, sports psychology thing. Cause I'm really interested
1: yeah, for in sure. that
0: stuff and, and how that all works. That's kind of my, um, area that i like kind of in a different way but yeah. similar yeah um I'm yeah more... i
1: totally when not come in here like you two had a like couple's crush on you guys was like i could be actual friends with them maybe. yeah
0: man well you we are now <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: especially since you like taco via <laughs>
1: <laughs> that'll be our so, first date that's right all, all that's four right. of us Yep.
0: that's right all right. How can people find you,
1: Lindsay? Uh, they can find me on online I've got psychology today, but there's couragecounselingks.com. Okay. Uh is my website and on there is all the contact info that right they will on. need. On. Thank
0: you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. Thank
1: you for having
2: me. And we'll
0: definitely do it again. I'm down. Some down down the future. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, lifting, lifting and listening. (laughs) And remember, perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Peace.